Hello and welcome back to A Method to the Madness, the weekly podcast where we discuss, analyse and otherwise ponder our favourite films and television. I'm your host, Mitchie Hartnett, and joining me is my usual co-host, Patrick. Hello. And for the first time ever, we have our first guest, David. Crossover episode. Crossover. This is like, Cross- the, this is like yeah. the MCU, but <laughs> with, with more sex appeal, I hope. Yes. W- with yeah, what? You, yeah. With more sex appeal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, I, you know, Thanos, I'm, though. I'm, well, that's true. That, that big purple head of Chins. his. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, David here, we've been doing a bit of collaboration with you, wouldn't, wouldn't you say, Pat? Uh, yes. Well, that's it, it, a bit of backstory. Pat and I met because he was producing and helping us with the Alfredo's podcast for quite a bit of time. That's right. Um, and now he's he's graduated and he's got a show of his own. So. <laughs> okay. And and tell us about that podcast. Um, well, we're no longer it's we're no longer running it at the moment. We're trying to work out a new format for it. But right. um, the podcast was sort of a each week we would break down um, uh, something from pop culture, whether it's like a movie, a game, yep. uh, a TV show, something like that. Um, we would conduct a close reading analysis of it. So I would bring to bear a, a series of research, and then my co-host Ben would sort of um, play the interlocutor and kind of rebut some of my statements and claims. And then we had all kinds of guests on. And, oh, that's cool. Yeah, we ran it for about eight years. I think. Yeah, right. Okay. Damn, eight yeah. years. That's a f- um, yeah, it was just a time. pretty good run. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now we're sort of working on, on a new project called Zero Indent, which um, your podcast is kind of a part of, which is like an online publication for media criticism that is maybe a bit more focused on uh, the way that we experience and the way that we craft media rather than, I guess, like trying to rate it out of 10. Yeah. Okay. That's my that's my, that's my my opening salvo. Yeah. So, check that out. Zeroenden.com, right? That's the one. Anyway, before we get stuck into a movie, I'd just like to... Well, I don't know if I should do this, but I'm going to anyway. We had a week delay in our last podcast. Yes. So, Patrick and I apologize for that, but, you know, shit happens. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I was going on a road trip. Pat was on holiday. Yeah, I mean, Pat, yeah, we we never told anyone before uh, you left. I'm s- you know, you got to apply for your annual leave first. Yeah, before you can- <laughs> send it to HR, bro. I'll I'll, t- I'll sign that shit off. Don't stress. Yeah, to our yeah. um, <laughs> like you know, millions of loyal fans. I'm really sorry. Uh, well, I missed it that week. I was like, I thought it was the thing this week, and then nothing happened. And I was yeah. happy because I got the thing, so I was fine. I was fine with it. Yeah. Today it's a particularly exciting podcast. So we are doing La La Land. Because and, and why it's exciting is because we're actually breaking out of the mold of doing the same four years over and over again. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, David, but our last 19 podcasts, this is our 20th podcast, mm-hmm. they were on films from either 2019, 17, 2011, or 1982. I was aware of this, and yeah. we somehow managed to consistently stay with those years, and now here we are breaking out of that, so we're doing a movie from 2016. Exciting stuff. It is. So, La La Land is a film directed by Damien Chazelle, starring Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone. They're pretty much the only main actors in it, but I'm going to say John Legend, as well as the legendary J.K. Simmons himself. For like two um, minutes. John Legend's in this? Yeah. Yeah, he's the, the band leader. That. Oh, he is. Oh, my. I never made that connection. Yeah, yeah, that's him. <laughs> that's yeah. how good of an actor he is. Did you just describe him as high? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> he looks high. <laughs> Yeah, he does. That's exactly what I thought as well. <laughs> he kind of does. I just thought about that for a second. I'm like, yeah, yeah he, he does. Kinda That's does a weird drive-by. Yeah. <laughs> Something about his eyes. But yeah, so we're here to talk about this wonderful film, this musical. 
Um, should we start off by going around the table here and sharing our opinions of this movie? So let's start with you, Pat. No, actually, let's go with, with you, David. Yeah, let's go oh, with the guest. Oh, no, guess. Yeah. okay. Yeah, no, really, go with the guest. Really cab off the rank. Yeah. Okay. Look, the first time I saw this was sort of around when it came out, and it didn't really affect me too much. I just thought it was pretty cool. Yep. Watching it the last few times, like I watched it about six months ago, and then I watched it again this week in anticipation of this. A lot's changed in my life. Like I've gone through the process of like falling in love and being in a relationship, and now I'm on the other side of that. And it like this shit hits different now that I'm in that position where I've yeah, gone through some of that I, stuff. I 100 percent agree. Um, especially like you know, it was a pretty long term relationship. Like it, you know, it really changes your perspective on the world. And for me. Previously, I would have been like, oh, it was kind of glitz and glam. And it was like, you know, it was like a wistful ending where it's like, ah, what could have been, you know. Now it feels way more mournful, I guess, the way that it sort of closes. I felt not a sense of closure, but a sense of like sobriety, I guess, coming out of it. Um, and it really was a Debbie Downer for my Saturday night. I got to be oh, honest, really? You brought, brought you down, did it? Yeah, I was, I was just sat there and I was like, oh, man, what could have been? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> And then I had, then I I mean, had a whiskey that, that is and I was exactly like- exactly what the end is about of that movie. Yeah, I had a whiskey and I pondered it on the staring out at the sky, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's also about what there was and appreciating what, what happened, even That's though it correct. may be over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what yeah. do you think, Pat? The only, what, would you watch it like a day ago or something? Yeah, I watched it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, David, that was a very point, poignant articulation and I think- Here we go, Pat's articulation. It's <laughs> not going to be as meaningful- but hey, man, I love me some bittersweet endings in my movies, and this certainly delivered on that front. I don't know, just a bit, just a, some tads of things I liked about this film. I love the uh, anachronistic Sound of Music era yeah. style, but set in the modern day sort of visual aesthetic. Wow, I never thought about that. That's yeah, with the um, good description. Well, yeah, you know, at the beginning, it has that filmed in Panavision yeah. um, title yeah, true, card yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and you know, I think it's yeah, it's I, I like how it's deliberately evoking that those old timey musical. Yeah, aesthetics, you know. Uh, I love the efficiency in its telling. I don't know about you guys, but for me, I, I really noticed how it, it cuts out a lot of cliches because it just, it bargains on the fact that you know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's like you've, it's like you've seen a movie before. Yes, exactly. You don't need the, you don't need the sex scene. We got it They're together. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, an example is when uh, Mia is auditioning. And they clearly reject her, but you don't see her reaction to it. You just see the audition and how uh, despondent the producers are. And the, you don't see the aftermath, but you just know what happens from the performances. Yeah. You know, it gives you all the information you need. And Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, like the, the, silent, the silence in those scenes with the staccato cuts where yeah. like the cuts are very loud and aggressive, but the, there's no backing. It's just dead silence or like you know, the sound of him. Um, T- turning a piece of paper or something exactly it communicates everything it needs to about her like how she feels about it you don't need her to uh, you know be like oh how did that edition go and you know someone call her and you get that scene which is like oh it was really bad yes you get it it sucked in a lesser movie they would have a there would be a scene where she's crying and you know someone consoles her as you said right yeah interesting okay yeah what about you Mitchie? yeah I, I, I was pretty standoffish when i first watched it because uh I do want to talk about musicals because this is sort of technically a musical and I've never really enjoyed musical musicals in my life. And man, but like I watched it and then the first opening scene happened. I'm like, whoa, this is a bit too musically for me. It feels like HSM or, <laughs> or um, Sweeney Todd or something. Then the second song happened, the uh, someone in the crowd and Mia goes to the party. And I just, the colors in that scene was just so incredible 
like just the way everything was shot like mm-hmm. the whole bit when they're singing in their apartment is all in one shot then she walks through the crowd at the end and the bloke jumps in the swimming pool and the music swells and the camera again is just all one shot and it's just spinning around and shit and i'm just like whoa this is like bar the fact that it's a musical even if it is a musical like it just incredibly directed and it just hooked me from that point on. I was like, holy shit, this is like just the production uh, quality of it is just enough for me to enjoy watching it. And then it started to grow on me. And, and like you said, David, like, you know, it, 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 the context, the context of love and when you kind of match it to your own experiences, it really brings that out. And, yeah. and by the end of it, I was like, wow, like I really connected with the movie. The end of the movie was so poignant, so bittersweet, but so like relatable too you like you do think about like what could have been but i didn't it didn't bring me down i kind of thought about it like well it is what it is and i appreciate that makes sense what i've experienced in my past this movie is just amazing i absolutely love it now and i just can't get over it and i listen to the music and i just you know i'm always like whistling one of the tunes from it it's just yeah i love it Uh, i'm assuming you're related to it hard because you're a bit of a pianist yourself aren't you yeah yeah and that's what i really like that aspect of as well which ryan gosling did not know a bit of piano before they started filming this and they did not use any hand props he had to learn it all himself really that's yeah including that bit where he (laughs) plays it in the bar you know the really kind of elaborate part that was all him which you know as i've played piano before and like it's not exactly easy and definitely not easy for someone who's never played before and they filmed it within a year or something and he managed to learn it perfectly damn props he still gets fired for it yeah well he didn't he didn't play the set list did he you're fired how funny was it that uh (laughs) jk simmons says that yeah so good yeah (laughs) um he's in another one of chazelle's films right whiplash yeah which i would like to talk about because there's a lot of thematic kind of similarities between this and and yeah we can't get started on whiplash we'll be here all day (laughs) (laughs) well why don't we get started on the plot summary which uh i I don't know who wants to read it yeah okay i'll read it yeah you you should read it yeah okay so La La Land follows the story of two LA souls, Mia, played by Emma Stone, a Hollywood cafe barista, and Sebastian, played by Ryan Gosling, a restaurant jazz pianist. Both have specific dreams, namely for Mia, it is to become a Hollywood star, and for Sebastian, it is to open his own jazz bar. Meeting perhaps under serendipitous circumstances, the two quickly become lovers, moving in together and motivating each other to achieve their dreams. Mia writes her own one-woman play, Meanwhile, Sebastian is offered a steady job with a previous band that has achieved significant fame and becomes quickly engulfed touring across the US, leaving Mia alone in LA. The two have an argument over Sebastian's absence from home, and their relationship falls apart. Mia performs a one-woman play, which has a disappointing turnout, and she moves back to her hometown, leaving Sebastian. Due to her performance in her own play, Mia is offered an acting job that will take her to Paris. Due to their now busy careers, Mia and Sebastian agree that their relationship is at an end, but that they both will always love each other, and they part ways. Five years later, Mia has become the big shot actress she always wanted to be. One night with a new partner, she stumbles across a bar, Seb's, exactly how Sebastian originally envisioned it as. Sebastian is the owner and glimpses her in the audience. There is a pang of bittersweet regret when they both see each other, and Sebastian plays their theme on the piano, which elaborates into a beautiful sequence of the future that never was between Mia and Sebastian. Mia leaves the bar, glimpsing back one last time at Sebastian, they exchange smiles, remembering the beautiful relationship they once shared together. The end. Mm. The the she does have a wedding ring on in that last scene, so it is her husband rather than 
Yeah, oh. just by the way. Well, she has a kid too, so. Oh, true. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, the yeah. yeah. You can have a child out of wedlock, Pat. Yeah. It's not the 1800s. What, what harlot would have that? <laughs> no, nah, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have uh, made the movie if that was the case, you know. Oh, that's but a good point. It's morally. They had to make sure they were married. What's the word? Like morally that, reprehensible? That's a joke. I don't actually right. know if that's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I just want to talk about how successful this movie was. So, you know, I'd heard of it, but I never watched it until a few weeks ago. And I, I didn't even know why I decided to watch it. I think I decided to watch it because... Being on a kind of Ryan Gosling streak. So, I was like, yeah, watch this. And this is the most successful film in the history of the Golden Globes. Uh, is that right? Yeah. What? It won seven. What do you mean by successful? So, he won the most awards and won all of them that, that was nominated for. Won seven out of seven nominated awards. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Did that sink in? Like, that's a pretty so, big fucking deal. Uh, wait, what? How- and, uh, and well- you, 100% uh, success rate with the nominations, you mean? How many Oscar things are there, though? Like, can- I have no context for this. Golden Globes, not Oscars, sorry. How many Golden Globes are there? At least at least seven. Yeah, at least seven. <laughs> I'm pre- well, anyway, that it's apparently it's the most successful film in the history of the Golden Globes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which already is enough in itself. It is also the most nominated film in the Academy Awards, like the Oscars ever, which is a record tied with Titanic and All About Eve. 14 nominations. Wow. And it won six nominations. It's a darn successful film like it's you know like it's won a lot of awards from 2016 and i i'm actually quite surprised because you know i knew it was good but i didn't know it was this good it was crazy does its critical is its critical success reflected in its commercial success like was it also yeah like did it make bank yeah it made it was and it wasn't the most profitable film of the year but it was like the fifth or sixth most profitable and like compared to um its budget, it made like a shitload of money. That's amazing. Its profit was like 120 million or something like that, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'd be happy if I made a profit of 120 million. So, <laughs> yeah, that'd be all right. Versus a budget of like, you know, like not that much. It was a few tens of millions or something yeah, like that. Maybe double that, that, double that for so, marketing or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's overall quite a successful film. And I, and I think that's kind of surprised me quite a lot. And the history behind this movie is that, uh, Chazelle, Damien Chazelle, the director, he's friends with Jason Hurwitz, who's the, oh, sorry, Justin Hurwitz, who's the composer for the music for La La Land. They were college mates and they decided to always have this plan of making a musical together. And the screenplay for this was actually written quite a long time ago by the two of them back almost in like college. And they were looking to get sponsorship, but they couldn't get it. So in 2010, that's when they decided to go out and do this movie. No one would give them any sponsorship. And people were mainly skeptical because it's a jazz musical. Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> that, that I mean, really, does well, it? Well, like, think about the the media landscape at that point. Like, Joss Whedon's Avengers is, is in in a big way. Like, yeah. the, the money-making machines are like your action blockbusters. Musicals yeah. that are popular at that time. There aren't really any. The closest you've got is like, uh, you know. Les Mis. Thinking like what Emma, Emma Stone. Yeah, Les Mis. I'm trying to think what Emma Stone was doing. That would have been like around the help and that kind of era where it was all mm. like period dramas. Like the musical wasn't in, you know, like it wasn't like the cool. It wasn't the, like we hadn't had, you know, uh, Book of Mormon and Hamilton. Yeah. And like it, it hadn't matriculated into the the lifeblood of like the the, the nerd zeitgeist. Like, you know, someone who likes uh, Joss Whedon's Avengers it wouldn't have fucking thought about a musical twice until Hamilton. And now suddenly musicals are cool. Yeah, true. Like there has been this transitionary period where like suddenly they've become an option and accessible and something people are interested in as a result of like these breakout 
successes. Yeah. I mean, that Hamilton's complicated because you have to be rich rich to be able to see it in the original run, and it's super problematic for a musical about the deconstruction of capitalism. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that <laughs> now, but... Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. like, I, just, I mean, that's I, fair I, enough. I mean, but they were willing to do it, though, if they were going to change. So basically, the conditions were they had to just drop the intro scene entirely. I don't know why, you'd, like, that's so important. And then they wanted to change Sebastian to a rock musician. And then they had to drop the bittersweet ending. And they would have actually gone with it in 2010. But apparently, Damien Chazelle was committed to what he wanted. So he didn't accept it. And then he went on to direct Whiplash and whiplash i watched the other day and holy shit it is a fucking good movie it's one of the best like, films ever. It, it also won a shitload of academy awards as well but like it is really good and jk simmons is absolutely incredible in it if you haven't seen that pat you should watch it all right it's so fucking good wait have you seen it i haven't seen it wow whiplash came out and that was successful so then he got sponsored for la la land and here we are they ended up making that movie so he's always kind of had a penchant for like music. I think that's kind of his passion and and that's what I like about his movies. He seems to say a lot about the music industry, what it takes to be a musician, which isn't something that like we all appreciate musical scores in film, but we don't really appreciate too much music itself in film. And that's what I love about this director. He's just has a passion for music and that means a lot. Well, I mean, you can see the bones of that style in Whiplash, I guess, where yeah. That that movie is so precise and exacting in its construction of its scenes, and you know the the it's a movie about drumming. Hmm. I'm saying that I for, know that for, much. okay, cool. Yeah. But like so like <laughs> the, so so the percussive instruments are timed with so periodically timed with the cuts, right? Or actions in the movie where you know someone puts down a cup or something like that are timed with um, the the ambient sounds of the scene. It's kind of got that Edgar Wright feel of being a very like clicky clacky kinetic deliberate piece mm. and i can see the bones of that style in whiplash mm. and now now that i think about it i didn't realize it was the same guy or like it's all clicked for me i'm like oh, i get it now. <laughs> like i've seen through the matrix you know what i mean yeah what you didn't know yeah. <laughs> until like 20 minutes ago when we started this no because i'm not a nerd like you guys i didn't google it beforehand <laughs> okay it's not my Inter- show i didn't have to do a 10 page doc to prepare i just came in feeling fresh about it you know what i mean interesting interesting yeah, yeah. um i haven't seen whiplash but I did notice that same kind of like beat Edgar Wright style editing in La La Land. Um, I always love that kind of confluence of visual and sort of music, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's the coordination. Yeah. He, he, there's no cuts, though. That's the thing. Like all the all the uh, musical scenes in La La Land, like all the dancing and, and stuff, they're all mm. in one shot. But they still make the camera movement itself match with the music, which is you know something that's not easy to do but they managed to do there's a lot of virtual and i don't know to what I, I i've seen some behind the scenes so i know a lot of it they did with actual cranes and things like that but there are a lot of really cool sweeping camera movements in this that i can't tell if it's a virtual cam or real yeah you know there's a scene where they're first dancing on the bench overlooking the hollywood and there's this there's this like dip zoom where the camera like you know they're they're dancing on top of the bench and they're facing away from the camera and there's this dip zoom where the camera drops down, sweeps through and pans up and we just see the back of their heads. Yeah. And it's like this spectacular camera movement that you could achieve in real life. It's probably cheaper to do with um, digital effects. Yeah. But right. my mind is like, I've s- now I know that it's this guy. He probably just built a rig that could do that. He, like, I think he did. Yeah, he, he ain't no David Fincher. He ain't no David yeah, Fincher. He ain't, he, ain't making, shit. He, ain't, he ain't doing that shit. Yeah. But apparently the first scene was all legit on top of a highway 
it was super dangerous and it was like 40 degrees or something and like people were prone to falling <laughs> off and killing themselves so they'd be really careful and they oh just have like big cranes on it and they filmed it all in three shots and actually molded it together into one shot somehow Wait, so did they did they dead they dead set like stopped an la highway to yeah shit this legit that, that was an actual highway that's the most hollywood thing i've ever heard which yeah is, <laughs> kind of plays into this movie's themes a lot i feel yeah yeah <laughs> yeah where I grew up, there was this station called K-Jazz 103. And people would just put on that station when they had a cocktail party. Right. And everyone would kind of just talk over it. I know. It was, that's the problem. Okay, okay. So I think that that's part of the problem is that you can't hear it. You know, you have to see it. You have to see what's at stake. I mean, look at these fellas. Look at, look at the, the, the sax player right now. He just hijacked the song. He's on his own trip. Every one of these guys is composing, they're rearranging, they're writing, and they're playing the melody. They're just... And now look, the trumpet player, he's got his own idea. And so it's conflict, and it's compromised, and it's just... It's new every time. It's brand new every night. It's very, very exciting. What do you guys think of musicals? What's your history with them? I think the first one I really liked was Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. With... Mm -hmm. Rick Moranis, I think, is... Yeah. Um, Ooh, sounds right. Yeah. Have you seen it, Mitchie? No. Do you know what it is? No. <laughs> Sorry. It rings a bell. Uh, <laughs> this guy who buys a plant who becomes like this giant monster who eats people. And then... Yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm just realizing the parallels with Sweeney Todd about some guy who chops people up. But anyway. Um, yeah, it's like musicals have three parts or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was mean. <laughs> no. Yeah, the truth I is mean, you're pretty not wrong. mean. Yeah. It's probably a parallel between La La Land and Greece or something. Well, that, that's why Les Mis and, and Hamilton were so successful, is they were different. Same with Wicked, even though that's bad. If you like it, you're wrong. Wicked? What is that? Wicked? Yeah. What's wrong with Wicked? Mitchie, did you want to explain to Pat Wicked just briefly? Because I'd love to I, hear I, your words. No, no, you should explain it because oh, I haven't no! seen it. No, it's like- a, it's <laughs> like The music it's, is all right. Yeah, it's just like a classic reimagining of like a fairy tale, but it's from the villain's perspective. Ooh. Bro. <laughs> it's like Maleficent, but worse. Okay. Oh, fuck. Cool. That movie is terrible. <laughs> Maleficent 2 is quite good, though. Wait, was that Angelina Jolie? It was, inexplicably, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one's quite sure about that. <laughs> but um, uh, what's you- Yeah, sorry. So No, I was just- Anyway, like, I, I, I never really had- I was any strong opinions about musicals. I didn't particularly not like them. I didn't you just didn't think like about them. them. Yeah, I yeah. Just, and even with this movie, like, the fact that it's a, it's a musical- like if if the genre of musical was never articulated, never named, and this would just be like a a movie where people break out into song and dance sometimes, like that is how I see it. It is just like a really kind of stylized drama, and it's without labeling anything. It's just a very like artistically done movie, and I just I love it for that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean my whole background with like musicals is like musical theater, like seeing it in person. Hmm. Um, Ooh. I always wanted to be a theater kid, but I was never talented enough. Right. So I instead had to buy tickets to go see other people do it who were better than me, mm. um, which is a forebearer of the rest of my creative career, but let's not dwell on that too much. But no, so like I saw a lot of musicals when I was younger and I liked a lot of musical comedians like Tim Minchin and Bo Burnham and people like that because I kind of came up at the same time as Bo Burnham. But it was Tim Minchin who was kind of my gateway drug into musicals because he was always posting- this is way back when, like, you followed people on Facebook, like, their fan pages, when people right. still use Facebook. Um, sure, I can relate. 
Yeah, Pat's like, I remember that time. <laughs> um, and he would always post like, oh, this musical's opening and this and that. And so I used to go see all these musicals kind of at, at his recommendation to a, to a smaller extent. Um, and then I just got into them. And like, you know, it, it's, I don't know, I don't know anything about music beyond, like, I know a lot about hip hop because it's poetry and that's like kind of my realm. But as far as like any technical understanding of what makes a good musical or not, it's a bit like porn. Like I know it when I see it, but I couldn't <laughs> tell you why. Yeah. I, it's, I just have that like. I wish I could, but it's not for me type relationship with it where it's like, I'd love to do it, but instead I just get to enjoy consuming it. Yeah. Yeah. Musicals are a weird medium. Like you you either have people that hate them or people that love them, but there's no one that's really in between. Like Like, an antipathy. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just, and and why is that? And it's obviously because the the, most of the people I speak to about this movie, they're like, oh, I fucking hate it. And I ask them why. And they're like, because it's a musical. I'm like, okay, sure, you don't like musicals. Why don't you like musicals? And it's because people just break out in a dance all the time, like you were saying, Pat. And, like, sure, that's, like, kind of creative, but people just hate that because it doesn't feel realistic. People people watch films and they kind of want to be immersed in emotion or something like that, you know. In this case, it's a romantic movie. You want to be immersed in the, the idea of love and, and mm-hmm. you know, bittersweet ending of a life that never was. But integrating all this singing and dancing in it kind of, like, breaks you away from that. And then hmm. it really kind of, you know, it's, it's disillusioning. That's why people don't like musicals if they don't like musicals. I noticed for the first time ever watching a musical that I periodically found some of the music overwhelming. Right. For the first time in my life, I was like, oh, this is kind of, this is almost too much for me. Like, I need a- Like, emotionally overwhelming. Or, like, sensory and emotionally as well. Like, yep. both. Yeah. Because um, I think those two things go hand in hand with a musical, which is what you were alluding to before, where people are used to- dialogue and action being two separate things a musical is like a blending of those yeah delivered via like music right yeah. so it's like it's like the action and the the dialogue are fused together through the medium of like a song yeah um a performance of a song and it sometimes like i kind of get it like i think i think sometimes it can just you kind of you're like okay i need a break like i get it this is really i'm really enjoying it but like th- you need to be in the right headspace to consume that much noise not in a bad sense but just like in a literal sense like the amount of information you're consuming is quite a lot at once yeah no i I see your point it's kind of yeah no you're right like it is very but but is it like any more intense than watching like you know super immersive film like i don't know like interstellar or something like that which i just watched recently like you know something that's super emotional in the movie like i mean what's the difference there i think density so like interstellar occurs over a great period of time both Mm in the chronology of the story and our literal experience of watching it. That's a fucking long Chris Nolan movie. I think the difference is La La Land just clocks in at just just over two hours. Yeah. And that first 30 minutes don't really let up. They're quite spectacular in their portrayal of Mia's kind of interactions with Hollywood. They're very bombastic. And then it grows somber through the middle portion. Yeah. Um, so I think the difference is like the density of the, like, cause Action stories uh, have to do th- have to do this thing where you have to have downbeats, where like you need a scene where something isn't happening. Yeah, so you need you need the the scene, the classic, the the one I always point to. It's a really easy touch point. Is in Avengers: Age of Ultron. There's that scene where they go to the farm. Right. It's this really smart downbeat before the finale, where you get to understand where everyone's mental headspace is at. You get to understand the tensions in the group, but crucially, you have a moment to take a break from the loud noises and stuff. Mm, right. And this is, I should clarify, like I fell asleep during Avengers Age of Ultron <laughs> in the theater during the Hulk Iron Man fight. Oh yeah. Which it's one? Just like, 
the the Hulk, Hulk and Iron Man, they beef it out. He's in like the Hulk. That was great. Suit. I love that scene. Yeah, it's just like, oh, I was like, man, I'm really tired. It's really like bright and loud. I just, if I close my eyes for a second. Yeah, it's the perfect environment to sleep in. Yeah, yeah and I woke yeah, up. Yeah, cinema. well, because, yeah, and I woke up uh, at the at the farm. And I was like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> you woke up on some farm somewhere. Actually, I think I was drugged. <laughs> so that's my caveat is like, yeah. I'm not, I'm like your dad where I'm like, I, I go to watch a movie and then I fall asleep halfway through. But, but I, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a lot to do with like density and, there's not a requirement in musicals to have those downbeats. Sure, there are scenes in this where no one's singing. For and quite a, a really, long time, actually. About half an hour. I was going to say, there's a really smart middle bit yeah. where they do this really well in this movie. Yeah. And I think this is sometimes what musicals are lacking. I know Les Mis doesn't have this because instead of this, it's got fucking Anne Hathaway belting out her, her ballad. And While she's getting eating, raped. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, let's not. It's fine. All right. She shaves her head. Um, <laughs> Moving on. That film's a wild interpretation of that musical. Actually, I saw that musical in person. It's way better than the fucking movie. Yeah, because um, I really didn't enjoy the movie. Also, uh, what's his name? Uh, here, the um, the villain. He smokes cigarettes and rides bikes around Sydney. What's his? Uh, Russell Crowe was an odd choice. They picked a man who can't sing. Yeah. to be in that, which is thought was just a wild call. Yeah, um, um, yeah, but yeah. no, that you're right. That so after the. Uh, the, they're kind of duet singing, you know, how they sing City of Stars together on the piano, yeah. which won best original song. Uh, it they, should. I thought that was a real song. I was like, oh, th- this surely is a classic. It's fucking, it's a nice song. Eh? Yeah, it's beautiful. It's real good. Yeah. yeah. And um, after that, there's for about half an hour until her audition, when she sings to the people at the end about her grandmother in, in Paris, there's not no music whatsoever. Like, obviously, there's, you know, a bit of, like, non, non-diegetic music, but, like... Um, but there's not actual musical music. And that's a long fucking time. That's like 25% of the movie where we just don't have any music. For a musical, that is huge. Wait, did you mean the opposite? That there's diegetic music, but not musical music? Sorry, yeah, I might have mixed yeah, it up. Yeah, because like- cause Like as in music see- they can't hear, which I always get- Well, because like, cause like in a musical, the conceit is that the characters aren't really singing. They're just like expressing their emotions. But, like, you get to see, like, yeah, you're right. For that 30-minute period or however long it is, you get to see his band playing and him playing, but they, there's no actual non-diegetic musical music. Yeah, there's not, like, yeah. it's totally just, like, a normal film for, like, half an hour. Yeah, exactly. And, That's and, interesting. And, I didn't even notice that, I get, which, I guess, speaks to just how well exactly. this movie flows. It's, it's yeah. not over... Yeah. And that's what is great about this. So, if you compare the soundtrack length to the length of the actual movie, the La La Land comes in very low, right? So, Sweeney Todd, the soundtrack makes up about 61% of the total length of the movie. It would. And then Grease <laughs> is about 55%, but La La Land is only 35%. It's a 45-minute wow. soundtrack versus a two-hour movie. That's really so, interesting. Yeah, yeah, and like, and that's what I love about this because normally I watch musicals and you just get, like you're saying, David, like you kind of, it's overwhelming or the singing all the time, and and like you said about action films as well, you need time for a break between this shit, and it's that's why it's so good because it's, they, it, it is restrained, like it's not over the top musical stuff. It's kind of like it's a normal film with elements of musicals in it, rather than me just acting out a music on stage but i'm just filming it and putting it in a film format like it's it's like it, the opposite of a scorsese movie or fucking moulin rouge <laughs> like it's it's like cinema of i don't it's like because you know you got, you got like cinema of excess yeah where it's like jordan belfort screaming into a microphone for an hour and you're like jesus all right stop doing cocaine in front of me this is like really restrained <laughs> yeah 
And that's why it's great. I, that, that's personally why I think this is just such a good musical, at least to me anyway, because it's just, it, it's, it's film. It's not a musical, it's a film. Yeah, that's, you know, what I was saying about like, you, you don't even have to label this as a musical, I think. Well, like it, it clearly is, but like, I don't know, in, if, if, the, if there's an apocalypse and aliens find our movies in like a thousand years, they'll, they might look at this and be like, oh, this is, a, <laughs> this is an interesting example of what they call movies. Right. And that was a weird... Yeah. That was an odd. <laughs> are you? Is it? We just doing metaphors That's now? Such a weird fucking yeah, analogy. What the fuck? But, well, like, <laughs> like you're right. But I mean, like you know, musical is like a marketing term because it sets the expectation for your audience of like what to expect in that genre. Like in the same way that sci-fi kind of tells you there are some trappings you should expect. It doesn't necessarily mean that every sci-fi thing is the same. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I think musical is sometimes belabored in the general kind of discourse of being like. This, like, over-the-top, you know... I, I just think, like, when people think of musical, they fucking think of Les Mis. Yeah. They think of Moulin Rouge. We haven't, like, necessarily developed a great tool set in the pop culture zeitgeist. In the theater, theater discussion groups, don't at me. It definitely exists. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think this is just a case of, like, we maybe don't have the language to discuss this stuff in terms of being a film rather than, like, just being a musical. Yeah. Yeah, yes. that's very true. I mean, you know, what would you think of, like, say, like, Pitch Perfect? Is that a musical? I would say that's a movie about music. Yeah, so it's a similar thing, right? But it's just shit. But the subject matter of that story- is shit. <laughs> it's also bad. Fucking the subject matter of that story is not music itself, whereas- <laughs> It's just subject- fucking shitty college stuff. No, it's just like, yeah, it's, it's like college drama. And that's fine. If you want to make a movie about that, I got no gripes with that. Maybe <laughs> make a better movie about that stuff. But I mean, that's whatever. I, I, th- I think maybe crucially with La La Land, it's more that- because it, it's about music and it's about creative integrity. Like, the fact that it's a musical makes sense. Like, the themes and the medium align. Yeah. Mm. And 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 that they didn't make it when they were offered a check, but change it for commercialization. Yeah. Like, that just contextualizes that further. I'm like, the themes of the story line up so well with the medium. Exactly. It's a really quite a transcendent thing to find that where it's like, and also this movie is about not selling out. Yeah, I want. I wonder who Damien Chazelle relates to more, me or Sebastian. Ooh. I wonder if his personality is split between the two characters. Maybe because between them, they kind of reach a medium in which he probably did realistically navigate through in the film industry. He probably had to sacrifice a bit of his integrity, but also he got to the point where he could make what he wanted exactly how he wanted. Do you got? Yeah, that's a really interesting. Yeah, that. that yeah. There's a, there's another. F- famous director and i cannot think of who it is but the exact same thing happened where they had to make a bunch of trash before they let them make the thing they i was the treasure planet guys um so treasure planet for those of you in the know is that disney like adventure story based on treasure island and the guys that made that did like eight or ten other films before that for disney before disney were like fine make the movie you want and they made the movie they want it was a total commercial flop yeah um but they made the one they wanted to make because they did the hard yards and i feel like this is an acknowledgement of that in sebastian's character but it's also reflexively saying you can, if you're choosing to pursuing the kind of avenue of Mia, who is like, I guess, I guess, I guess she develops integrity. Ye- I don't know how else you'd describe it. Like, yeah. she sort of, she finds her artistic voice, but then also manages to find that partner that she's been looking for. Because, I mean, the whole opening 30 minutes is about looking for that person in the crowd. Mm. And she finds Sebastian, who turns out not to be that person, but he is for a while. Whereas Sebastian, as far as we know, is alone by the conclusion of the movie. Like, I think it stands to reason he doesn't have a partner. Yeah. Because instead, he's been on the road for three and a half years to be able to afford to open this club. Yeah. So, in in pursuing the integrity that 
Mia accused him of losing, he's like sacrificed this other part of his life. Yeah. I mean, quite literally with Mia, where he's like, well, I thought this is what you fucking wanted. So what do you think he's trying to say then, Chazelle, about music or, or not about music, but about the idea of love versus ambition? You know, you, you got you got your career that you need to kind of stick to your dreams, but then at the same time, you have your love there. I don't know that he comes to a conclusion because if he did, it would be very, we would see it. You know, the ending would be Sebastian's fucking miserable opening his jazz bar. There'd be a, <laughs> there'd be a tag at the end. There'd be a prologue where we see him going home alone and like pouring himself a whiskey and like yeah. looking at old photos of Mia. We don't get that. No. We, we get this impression that for the time being, at least when he sacrificed his artistic ambition to have that kind of love and that relationship yeah even then he wasn't happy so maybe it's more about the people than about the societal structures of like you should have to forego creative integrity to be successful like maybe it's just that yeah it, it's something that he touches on in whiplash too like very briefly the protagonist in that the band like breaks up with that girl because he wants to pursue his career in drumming he he literally is like, I can't yeah. go ha- go on dates. I need to go drum more. Yeah. <laughs> it was such That's a weird- That's the fucking plot beat. I'm like, excuse you? You're such a dork, that bloke. I was like, oh, sorry. You're not actually a teenage boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not- No guy's ever been like, I could have sex or play the drums. <laughs> I know. I'll choose the drums. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? Go back to playing jingle bells? I'm not saying that. I'm saying Scraping why don't you so take I can start what you've made no and start the club. That people will want to go to it because you're passionate about it and people love what other people are passionate about. You remind people uh, of what they forgot. Not my experience. Well, whatever, all right? I mean, it is, it's just, it's time to grow up, you know? I have a steady job, this is what I'm doing, and now all of a sudden, if you had these problems, I wish you would have said them earlier before I signed on the goddamn dotted line. I'm pointing out that you had a dream, that you followed, that you were sticking to. This is to. the dream. This is the dream. This is not Guys your dream. Guys like me work their whole lives to be in something that's successful, that people like, you know? I mean, I'm finally in something that 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 that, that people enjoy. Since when do you care about being matter. liked? Why do you care so much about being liked? You're an actress. What are you talking about? <sighs> What's your favorite scene from the movie? I'm just curious, like legit. Or favorite song? I just want to know myself. <laughs> You're like, we might cut this out. I just need to know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is for me privately. Yeah. Um. What's my favorite? I really like the, um, I was going to say the movie theater, but I don't think that's true. Oh, the planetarium? Yeah. Uh, well, no, I don't like that. I liked the bit before that. Like more musical bits. Yeah, I'm just thinking. Like you got, because you can break down the whole soundtrack into really six melodies, which is what I love about it. You got Another Day of Sun, and then Someone in the Crowd, Me and Sebastian's Theme, Planetarium, City of Stars, and then her audition song, which is kind of like an epilogue song. But, and- just they're also similar like don't you get kind of confused between the melodies and where it came from because like i love the last scene because it kind of integrates all of those songs into one epilogue song right Mm -hmm. and we step through them in their imaginary world where they were together and it's just such great composing because the melodies are kind of they, they represent exactly what they do very well and like it's such a i love how he uses these like if if you look at the music, like he he uses these kind of constantly using these triplets one after the other, and it moves the music forward, and it's just it's just such amazing like composition musically. Yeah, if I knew enough about music theory, I'd agree with you. Yeah, I was gonna say, I yeah. sounds right though. <laughs> it's just good shit. I I think the the scene I I like the City of Stars when it's just him singing it and she joins in. Oh, and did you know he can play the piano, right, Ryan Gosling, yeah. very well. Yeah. 
he can't whistle. So when he's whistling that bit out on the pier and he dances with that old couple, yeah. apparently it's the composer, Jason, Justin Hurwitz. That's so good. Whistling it for him because he some couldn't people whistle. Just, some people just can't whistle. That's just how it, life is. Yeah, but why not? <laughs> Have you never met someone that can't whistle? Yeah, I've met some people, but I just thought maybe they were an exception. I never no, thought the great like a- and mighty Ryan Gosling would not be able to whistle. Oh, what can't he he's do? He's human. Just Mitchell. that. Yeah, he's, he's just a person. One, he's got one floor. Leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you think of the color in this movie? It is Man, very colorful. Yeah, it pops up. I think it starts off real poppy and then kind of gets real somber in the middle, which I like. I like that it kind of, the, the, the colors reflect the themes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about the colors just very quickly and like primary and secondary colors. That's all you see in this. So you got red, blue, yellow, orange, purple, green. But like the very base colors of those six and they mesh them together so well that it never seems off you know like you can have bad things put together but the bad colors put together but like you know the scene when mia's auditioning and she's like dressed as a police officer one minute and then a doctor the next minute and oh, and the, the background the, changes the background changes yeah, yeah. drastically so in color but the uniform she's wearing is the perfect kind of like antonym to that color behind her you know, because right. one of them, they're either primary or secondary colors. They just use like the same six colors over and over again in different shots. And it just works so well. Yeah. Right. yeah. It, it it gives that gives it that old timey look of the, yeah. Um, yeah, right. the old films. Uh, is anyone anything anyone wanted to say? It's just a really bloody good picture. And it always makes me feel a feel, which I cannot say for most movies. A good picture. Yeah. It was a good picture. Oh, shut up, Pat. All right. I was yeah, a good so picture. What the I wasn't going to say anything. Not but one for the young'uns. My grandma always says that. <laughs> yeah, okay, you can both fuck off. <laughs> That's so rude. Nah, agreed. It is a good picture. They See, he's on board. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I agree. I agree. By picture, I mean film. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. that's our consensus on La La Land. We all seem to like it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this has been a good podcast. I've enjoyed it. Uh, before we finish, recommendations. Oh, um, yeah, have you got any? Yeah, for, I don't know. Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> this is what he does every fucking podcast. He just, like, he just doesn't come. Shit. He doesn't uh, come with anything. Well, I always forget that we have this segment. You made it. You made this segment. That's the Ben of this podcast. This yeah. was every week of my fucking life where I'd be like, Ben, recommendations. He just stare at me blankly. <laughs> Well, because I'd, I'd be like, you yeah. know, the thing that happens at the end of our show every week that you've done for the last five years. It'd be easier if we did it how you guys did it. Not for artists, where you recommended stuff you'd been watching. We try to recommend stuff that's like related. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. Well, surely you got one, David. Crazy, stupid love with Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Ooh, yes, oh. that's it's a, a one fucking of the- great movie. I thought that was with Steve Carell. He's also in it. Oh, okay. Do you want to know? You want to know a fun fact? Yeah. About who they were going to originally cast for this. I do, yeah. The guy from Whiplash, whatever his name is. Yeah. And your favorite, Patrick, Emma Watson. Is what? she my favorite? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You always talk about her. Do I? <laughs> do you, you not? Do, you kind of bring her up frequently. I'm like trying to remember the, the episodes of, I'm like, you do bring her up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, she's cool. But She's that's cool. a weird choice. She's saying that on the air right now, but fuck, <laughs> I've heard some good weird things. No, nah, I'm joking. She's cool. <laughs> but yeah. no, she, she denied the role because of Beauty and the Beast, but yeah. Oh, well that's done. a mistake in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that movie's rough. Yeah. Yes. And Emma Stone got Best Actress, so yeah, joke's on her. My recommendation is First Man. 
because it's the same director, Damon Chazelle, oh, same it is composer, too. Uh, Justin Hurwitz, and the same main actor, which is Ryan Gosling. It's pretty good. Like, it's not as good as these two films, but it's all right. Like, he's he's definitely, his forte is in music-related shit, not fucking moon landing-related shit, but, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll give it to him. He had some pretty good music, and, and have you noticed... He loves spinning cameras. Yeah. Like, goes back and forth, boom, boom, boom. And and it's legit. Like, I've seen... You see the videos of this poor cameraman, <laughs> like, in that bit where they're playing in the bar, and it flicks back from Mia to Seb, and the poor bloke's just like, boom, boom, like, going back and forth, and he just looks so knackered by the end of it. Brutal. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, where can people find this podcast, Patrick? People can find A Method to the Madness on YouTube, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. You can visit our website at amttm.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook through our links on the website. If you have any questions, queries, insights, or criticism you'd like to send to us, you can at mail at amttm.com. And mm, nice. Yeah, what do you want to plug, David? You can obviously head to the publication zeroindent.com. We're touching that on the top. Also, you can find my book at maynardtrig.com. It's like kind of a coming-of-age, kind of low-fantasy, low-sci-fi story. It's got a bit of horror, a bit of adventure. Mm. It's primarily a mystery. It's got a bit of everything. For the whole family, don't give it to your kids, though. Can I get a signed copy? You Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll think about it. Thanks, Very man. Very confident. I'm in the thoughts. That's good. Wonderful. Wonderful. And uh, next time we'll be reviewing or discussing. Um. Wait, do you, I could do it. Do you want me to read it out? I could be the, I could yeah, be why the don't professional you do podcast. Yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you do it. Yeah. Say it's your recommendation though. So if it's bad, then it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> so next week, because the boys are throwing me out of the bus, they're going to be covering Brick, which is a 2005 movie by Ryan Johnson. It's his first motion picture film that he directed. Um, and it's really elaborate and complicated and it was made on the cheapest budget of all time but it super works interesting and we have no idea what it's about yeah is is that what landed him the fly gig on breaking bad you reckon um no <laughs> i imagine that was his great work on star wars <laughs> yes true somehow is, yeah. this a, is this a tenant related thing like he went back in time or something yeah, yeah. So we're doing a time loop yeah <laughs> yeah good one all right, there cool. we go. That's uh, Brick next week. Tune in for that. Uh, once again, thank you very much for joining us, David. Greatly appreciated. And it's my pleasure. Love talking to you and good discussions on La La Land. And hope to see you next time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, boys. And thank you for listening. All right, see ya. See ya. <laughs>